This episode is brought to you in partnership with the NYU AD Art Gallery. I joined New York University Abu Dhabi in uh, spring of 2012, which is when I began the work of planning and creating the mission and vision for the gallery. When Maya Allison first came to the UAE as the founding executive director of the NYU AD Art Gallery, she was excited to see what type of art she would find. Having studied at the prestigious Columbia University School of the Arts in Manhattan, the idea of stories and narratives that existed outside of the vast and powerful New York art world always interested her. When I was getting ready to come to the UAE for the first time, I really didn't know what to expect. I had a little bit more understanding of the region than the average person in my world at the time, but I really didn't know what was happening here in terms of the arts. So the first thing I did was go to every single art gallery and meet every single artist I could find um, and ask them who else I should be talking to. And slowly I began to get a feel for what's here, but it was not the sort of thing where I could just read about it somewhere because um, a lot of what was happening wasn't really being made visible in the, on the international stage. New York is one of the epicenters of the global art world, home throughout the 20th century until today to some of the world's most famous artists, Edward Hopper, Georgia O'Keeffe, Jackson Pollock, Louise Bourgeois, and of course, Andy Warhol. But there can be a perspective of Western-centric art that rules what art and its history are. The way Maya had been taught art history, like most of those educated in the Western world, was built on this understanding. So the interesting thing, when you think about um, art history, the term art history, we assume that there is an art and a history that sort of has a singular progression. And this is the way that art history is traditionally taught. First, there was, uh, you know, ancient Greek, and then there was the Middle Ages, then there was the Renaissance, then there was uh, Impressionism, Modernism, and now contemporary art and postmodernism and so on. And this feels like a, mar- you know, a very orderly march of history through the progression of how we think about art. And of course, in one way, it's true for one particular sort of social history, right, which is the social history that grows out of Europe and North America. But of course, there are multiple art histories around the world. And this is something that that we know intellectually, but if you try to study it, it's not always easy to find those art histories. But the way that this question became interesting to me actually was very simple and, and odd, which is that I moved from New York City to Providence, Rhode Island. And that's a little state about three hours from New York City that happens to have a very active and vibrant uh, art scene that is more or less invisible to the New York art world, and yet extremely influential in other sort of realms, including um, the underground music scene um, in Japan. So, so I knew that there are these other matrices of how art is meaningful and where art is meaningful that are not captured in a New York Times art review, right? Which is nothing against the New York Times. We hold this as a gold standard of how we talk and think about art. But there are all these other arts, right? Even within three hours of New York City, there's another art world that is not in the art world, capital T, capital A, the art world. And that made me start to think about what it means to be inside and outside of what we think of as this central narrative of art history. And the minute you take that step outside of what has been, you know, sanctioned by by this kind of central authority of art, then you start to discover that you pull that thread and the next thing you know, you wind up in Abu Dhabi, (laughs) here I am, which is that the more questions I ask about 
art and art history and who decides what's good and what does it mean for art to be meaningful, the more it leads me into areas that have perhaps not been studied uh, formally in the, in the universities that I would have been trained in, right? It doesn't mean these art histories have not been studied. It just means that they have not been recognized across these other fields and other disciplines of art history um, that show up in the universities. And this is incredibly exciting because everything is changing in a way and we get to be part of that conversation, right? So, so the work that I do is profoundly exciting and gratifying to me to, to get to ask these questions. I am not an expert, right? My job is to ask the questions and to find the people who can help me dig up those answers or to direct me to the people who can tell the stories that help answer these questions. For example, what is the art history of the UAE? This story is there, there are many people who can tell it. And so what I do is go and ask people to tell me the story they know of how they became an artist and who they knew and how they became an artist and so on. And you know, and then in a matter of time, the knowledge that was already there and was documented in other ways, I can then translate into this other arena. So I represent this arena of the North American curatorial practice and I sort of shuttle back and forth in dialogue with where I am and where I come from to kind of broaden the scope of uh, the conversation that we're having about art and to really challenge what we, how we think about what we understand art history to be. NYU AD brings with it a sensibility of New York, right in the capital of the UAE, and hopes to expose visitors and students to art from around the world. But Maya positioned the gallery within the context of the larger art scene around her. When I was preparing the plan for the art gallery at NYU Abu Dhabi, I looked at the landscape of the UAE's art community and I saw, okay, we have the Louvre Abu Dhabi will be opening in a few years. There will be a Guggenheim, a Zayed National Museum. In Dubai, we have, you know, what appears to be a commercial gallery sector that's in the process of growing. And at the time it was just about to explode, which I didn't you know, which we now have seen happen. We have Sharjah, which has this long history of cultural heritage preservation, as well as a cutting edge biennial, which is really important to the Sharjah biennial. We have Art Dubai, a very important art fair. You know, so I looked and I said, okay, the university gallery as a model is something that I don't see in this ecosystem. And I'm going to kind of hold very closely to how we think about a university gallery in, uh, in the North American context that I come from. And that element, the connection to a learning institution, makes NYU AD very different in both purpose and how it works. Maya's experience of working within academic art spaces meant she had a close understanding of how they differ from public or commercial art spaces. And a university gallery has a dual mission, right? We serve the public and we serve the students. So we serve the curriculum and we serve our public audience. That sounds like two missions, but in fact, it's not. Um, if you think about what a medical school does, so a teaching hospital would be attached to a medical school and a member of the public could go to the hospital to have whatever ails them addressed by say a surgeon. That surgeon would be a faculty at the medical school 
and then the student or the intern oversees and watches the surgery and learns from the surgical practice in action as opposed to in the books or in the classroom. So then the, the surgery and the teaching hospital itself literally is that, a place where the teaching happens, but it is also a place where the healing happens and the serving of the public. Then once the exhibition opens, the classes come into the gallery and they're taught by me or they're taught by another curator or the artists give talks to the classes. And the classes might be anything from, we've had classes come in who work on physics, uh, classes who work on legal studies, um, and everything else that you can imagine from object making, biography, archaeology, all these different angles and lenses through which you can look at an exhibition. Maya is a strong advocate for the idea of a university being connected to the surrounding community. This, she believes, is the way to break the criticism of universities becoming too self-referential and disconnected from their local community. A way to break down the idea of academics being secluded in their ivory towers. The original concept of a university was meant to be all-encompassing of all the disciplines of human experience. And for that reason, art in all of its manifestations is important to have a truly well-rounded education. And the gallery also enables a connection between the interior community of a university and the exterior community of its surroundings. This is a very common challenge for universities, which often can become bubbles and the communities inside the university have tension with the surrounding communities. This is normal in the United States. It's what we call the town and gown problem. And the gown being the PhDs and then the people in the town being the community. And a gallery is a, in, in some ways a forum for connecting those two communities and, and creating a sense of dialogue and uh, neighborhood and community that transcends the boundaries of in the university or outside. And I think that that is a much bigger tension than you might expect, especially as a university becomes more established. We see this as a very crucial role is to keep um, a living, breathing relationship to both communities through our existence. As chief curator and executive director, Maya brings her own understanding and imprint on the gallery. Although she looks outwards, asks questions, and develops community links around the university, she also has a deep love of art. So as a curator, I'm especially drawn to two particular areas. One is looking at how artistic practice thrives in the context of an artist community. So mapping artist communities is one of my key areas of interest. The other area would be something you might think of as installation art, sort of immersive experimental art installations where you are kind of surrounded by the art and where art becomes almost this full body experience, such as with the Swiss artist Zimun, who does these sound and space installations um, that we showed here a few years ago. So in fact, my, my range of interest is pretty broad, but it shares with it the quality of interconnectedness among artists and ideas um, in both the installation concept and in the community concept. I work with artists to help them develop um, their art and their exhibitions. Um, but in the course of doing that, I also uncover the stories of their art history as individuals and of their communities. The artwork on display at the gallery is contemporary, work that is striving to break new ground on a global scale. The art is in different mediums, often unconventional, and this can make Maya a little unsure of how the local community will take it. And curating exhibitions in the UAE has brought some interesting reactions. 
one of my favorite examples um, was when I did an exhibition of work from the UAE's avant-garde history. So the avant-garde here has been active, um, very, very active since the 1980s at least, uh, certainly before, but more formally starting in the 1980s. And one of the core figures of that group was Hassan Sharif, um, who's an Emirati artist uh, who was very important in forming the art community in Sharjah. And he made this work that was a pile of um, like little packages or parcels of cloth that had been tied around something. You don't know what. It just looks like a pile of small parcels about the size of a fist, each parcel. And uh, a lot of times people would view his work with some skepticism because it might look like a pile of trash or refuse of some kind. Um, but there was always more going on that was very gratifying once he started looking. But that said, there were many people when he was first making this work who felt that it looked like trash and how could you call this art? And um, I had a visitor to the gallery who was a much, much older uh, Emirati woman. She still wore the traditional burqa. And, um, and she was there in the company of a young Emirati woman who had come to see this exhibition. You know, my colleague was giving the tour in Arabic and I was walking with him and this much older woman saw this artwork by Hassan Sharif and she, she gasped. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, she's asking what, I was immediately thought the worst that she thought this was horrible and looks like trash. And she said in Arabic to my colleague, this artist understands the beauty of the Bedouin way. And that these parcels um, looked to her like the way that a Bedouin woman would tie up packages in their, in their gown. And also the act of saving everything. There's always a use for something, so you save it. And it was the most unexpected response. And I realized that I had not looked through at this artwork through the eyes of somebody who knows the Bedouin ways. And that that gave me a whole new insight into the work um, that made it even more meaningful. And whether or not that was Hassan Sharif's intention doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm getting to see this artwork through multiple vantage points. I see it in relationship to this artist, Felix Gonzalez Torres, who would put piles of candy in the gallery. It kind of looks like a pile of candy. And so I bring my frame of reference to it. This woman brought her frame of reference to it. And together, we, you know, the art became that much more beautiful. And so this is, it can be a challenge if say she did walk in and think, why, the, why are you showing trash? in the floor of your gallery <laughs> and you know and I get nervous as a curator every time I put something up that's a little bit challenging that that it could be rejected and I you know and reflect poorly on our university but in fact what happens is the opposite that challenge is met by my audience and that's an incredibly um, rewarding experience. This episode is brought to you in partnership with the NYU AD Art Gallery. To learn more about the NYU AD Art Gallery please visit www.nyuad-artgallery.org. You've been listening to Recorded. I've been your host, Alexander Chavez. You can subscribe to our podcast at thenationalnews.com or find us on your favorite podcasting app. This week's episode was produced by Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. <laughs>